Hey guys, in this episode of the Nurse Dose Podcast, we are going to move away from the clinical side for a little bit and go over why some nurses have gotten sent to the Board of Nursing. Hey guys, what's up? This is Sean from the Nurse Dose Podcast. I am a CVICU nurse going on six years. And today, like I said in the intro, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about why people go to the Board of Nursing. And this is going to be a little series that I do that we kind of take breaks in between the uh, clinical education that we do on this podcast just to give everybody a break. And um, from my experience, going so hard and Uh, trying to learn all these clinical things and not really giving yourself a break in terms of your profession and your career can quickly lead to burnout. So this is going to be kind of like a little break uh, for y'all and something that will still be educational as this is something that is not really talked about, but I think really needs to be. So to give some background, the board of nursing in each state um, has its own kind of stipulations on how it releases uh, disciplinary actions that um, are brought about on specific nurses um, during a certain time period. Um, The state that I am in will actually uh, publicize these uh, corrective actions in like a newsletter that comes out to us either. I think it's like monthly or something like that, but um, all this information is available publicly on the internet through the board's website. And you may be able to go look up your own uh, board of nursing and see if this kind of information is available to you as well. Um, So why am I saying this? Um, A lot of these documents, they're official documents that have names. Um, They have the hospitals where this happened. It just doesn't have like the patient's name in it. So um, I will not be saying the name of the nurse that this happened to. I will not be saying where this happened or what hospital this happened at. And a lot of these happened like more than a decade ago. So it's nothing that people are going to um, actively be dealing with at this time for the most part. And the reason I'm doing this is to kind of shed some light onto what what can get you into hot water with the board of nursing and to kind of give some insight onto what some nurses actually do. That is just kind of ridiculous to me. Um, so this is a bit of entertainment as well as a bit of an educational thing. Now I am no way saying that these people's hardships are entertaining. It's just some of the things that these people do. It's, it, it just boggles my mind. So, um, I'm in no way making fun of any of these people, but, um, Hopefully they have learned from their actions and they will not make these mistakes again. Um, So without further ado, we will get to our first case. And this is actually a case that involves uh, incorrect restraints. So I will actually read off um, the complaint that was filed. Um, So basically, while employed as the charge nurse in a critical care unit, Um, this nurse failed to provide a safe environment for a specific patient in that after the patient became combative with respiratory distress, which I think we've all been there, you know, you have a patient who is on the BiPAP and they just love ripping it off because who loves having this big fan in their face, pushing air into, you know, their trachea. 
Um, but anyways, the nurse assisted the patient's primary nurse by holding down the patient while um, he slash she was inappropriately restrained with blood pressure cuffs. So the image that I get in my head of this is that they, I guess it was like an emergent thing where they had to um, restrain this patient. I, I, I mean, I'm assuming that. And so their best idea was to get blood pressure cuffs and restrain the patient. I don't know if maybe they just didn't have restraints, but I've never heard of this really happening. This is very strange. Um, it goes on to say the nurse's conduct, conduct unnecessarily exposed the patient to risk of complications, including decreased circulation, skin breakdown, and emotional distress. I mean, I think I would have emotional distress if somebody was restraining me with blood pressure cuffs. That's just kind of ridiculous. And we all know the material that a blood pressure cuff is made out of is not ideal for restraining a patient. And plus, there's no way this patient had restraint orders if they don't even have restraints in the room. So that is, you know, um, a very big deal. Um, it can also, I've heard of people saying that it can be um, brought up on charges for false imprisonment. So I don't know how, how true that is, but um, yeah, that's, it's just crazy. Like I understand, you know, being frustrated and, you know, patients BiPAP coming off, but there are proper procedures that you can go through to get a sufficient um, restraint order. I mean, I understand not having the staff for maybe uh, doing a one-to-one, -one, but you know, just having legit restraints is something that every hospital should have. And uh, being able to get the orders for those restraints is something that should not be an issue as well. It then goes on to say that the primary nurse failed to document an assessment of the patient's need for the restraints and the type of restraint used, um, probably because there is not a um, uh, box for blood pressure cuff as the type of restraint used. Now, it then goes on to say that uh, both the charge nurse and another nurse went in after the primary nurse asked for help when the patient started getting out of bed and getting combative and taking off the BiPAP mask. Um, it is then said that the nurse that came with the charge nurse is the one who suggested to use blood pressure cuffs for restraints and that they started doing that while the charge nurse put on the BiPAP. Um, in another turn of events, it turns out that this patient was originally the charge nurse's patient, but he then changed his assignment um, from having just this patient to a nurse having this patient and another patient when this patient had a one-to-one -one order. Um, so that is another thing that is brought up in this complaint. So what kind of disciplinary action comes with a complaint like this? So the first thing is the nurse is not allowed to work outside of the states that um, they are working in currently. Um, and let me just say that all this stuff is on a case by case basis. So I'm just kind of reading off what is happening to, or what this person went through for this um, complaint. Uh, so they can't work outside of another state. They have to take a jurisprudence um, course, and then they had to take a uh, sharpening criti critical thinking skills course, which is a 3.6 contact hour online program. Um, as well as they have to uh, tell any employer that they have this mark against them and they actually have to fill out some kind of employer form um, that gets sent off to the board of nursing if you were ever to 
move to another job, which is just crazy, um, but understandable. I just can't imagine having to go through that process of telling your employer that you have um, this complaint against you and they have to sign something that basically says, yes, we are aware this person has this stipulation on their license and that they are completing um, this remedial education. So um, there you go. Next time you're thinking that um, you should restrain a patient with blood pressure cuffs, you might want to rethink that and actually get an order from the doctor or keep the one-to-one orders. And this goes out to all the charge nurses out there. If you have a patient that has legitimate one-to-one orders, you need to fight for that and try and get your staffing. Because if it's a hospital issue, then that needs to come back on them. It does not come back on you and your license as it did here. So let's get to the next case. So this next case is something that I think could honestly happened to anyone and it looks like it's just a big miscommunication um, and where the nurse is the middleman and it causes this nurse to come under fire from physicians because they just can't seem to talk to each other in terms of what needs to be done for this specific patient. Um, so to get down to it, this nurse while employed at a certain hospital Um, obtained an order to administer TPN to a certain patient uh, from the patient's attending physician. Instead of attaining the order from the GI doc um, who had ordered the prior two doses and who was monitoring the patient's electrolyte and lab values. Now, is that to say that the attending isn't monitoring these um, electrolyte and lab values? That just, I, I I don't understand that. Uh, To go on, the TPN uh, was obtained from the pharmacy and administered at this certain time on this certain date. Um, And then the nurse actually um, wrote down an order. So TPN from this date is the same as ordered the day before um, on the orders being provided at the time. However, the GI doc marked through the order and wrote quotations, no exclamation point, nurse ordered without my consent, exclamation point, end quotes. Uh, the RN then uh, the, it's, it then states that the RN's conduct may have compromised or complicated the GI doc's medical plan of care for the patient. So I honestly think that this is just ridiculous. So um, one, the attending p- physician stated that, yes, this order is fine for TPN, so go ahead and give it. But then the GI doc says, no, 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 this is not what I want. So then the nurse gets in trouble, even though another doctor ordered that new dose. So I just, I don't understand why this had made it to the board, but um, it sounds like the nurse was the middleman in between these two docs and the GI doc didn't like what the attending did. So it came back on the nurse for whatever reason. Um, the so it goes on to say that the RN states that the attending physician was present when she noted that the patient did not have a bag of TPN for what she believed would have been the patient's next scheduled dose. Uh, so she asked the attending about continuing the TPN uh, based on the most previous order. Um, according to the nurse, the uh, attending physician concurred, and another bag of TPN was ordered from the pharmacy. Uh, the RN contends that the next morning the GI doc was upset because he had not been consulted before the TPN was administered. Oh God, I, I, you know what, whatever. 
it's just uh i feel like this is just a big ego thing but um i don't you have one doctor who said yes it's okay and i mean it's the attending physician for the patient so i don't know who trumps who but you know of course there should have been some kind of discussion but all of us who have been working know that the doctors never talk to each other and the nurse usually becomes the middleman it's just really sad that this nurse had to um, come under fire for it and was sent to the board for it. Um, so in terms of the disciplinary action um, for this one, it's uh, it's kind of the same as the other one. Um, it's um, actually the exact same as the previous one where um, the nurse cannot work outside of the state that they currently work in. Um, they have to take a jurisprudence, uh, course, and then they have to take a sharpening critical skills course as well, which I, I don't, I don't agree with that at all, but you know what? That's just, that's how it went. Um, so, I mean, at least in this case, the license wasn't taken away. Um, so that is good. Um, but like I said, this is just ridiculous and um something that i think shouldn't have happened at all i think the gi doc overreacted i mean of course we want the right uh, treatment for the patient but the attending physician wrote for a tpn order so i don't understand why i, I am assuming this uh, attending physician has been uh, providing care for this patient throughout the hospital stay so i don't see why their opinion on what to order is any less than what the GI docs is. So um, I don't know. That one's just kind of ridiculous for me. But um, we will finish this episode off with one more um, pretty ridiculous case. Um, so let's get into it. So a lot of these cases that um, actually go to the board, actually a majority of them, a overwhelming majority of them, um, have to do with some kind of uh, drug uh, issue, either um, not wasting a drug or just blatantly stealing drugs from the hospital. Um, this one is kind of on there, but um, it's a little different. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and start reading it. Um, so this nurse, while employed um, at a certain hospital, um, misappropriated one vial of cocaine from the facility. So um, let me just say that I had no idea that hospitals had vials of cocaine, but thinking about it, it kind of makes sense because I think it's used as an anesthetic, um, kind of like benzocaine. Um, anything with a cane at the end of it, I think is usually um, some kind of anesthetic. Um, but to go on, uh, the RN's conduct defrauded the facility of the cost of the medi medication. So um, that so this was at the end of um, one at, of this certain year. So in January of the next year, while employed at the same hospital, um, the RN engaged in the intemperate use of cocaine as evidenced by a positive drug screen. Um, so and it goes on to say that possession of cocaine is bad and you know not legal in this certain state which where is it legal um so and it's saying that uh, a nurse who is uh under the influence of cocaine could impair the nurse's ability to recognize subtle signs symptoms and changes in the patient's condition blah 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 pace 
placing that patient at, um, you know, uh, placing them in danger. Uh, so it, what's <laughs> when it gets weird is whenever the nurse responds. Uh, so the RN reports that they use the cocaine on um, the day prior to testing positive as a topical anesthetic to relieve pain from genital herpes. Um, they then go on to say that they were in pain and unable to sleep. So they applied some of the cocaine to a cotton ball and applied the cotton ball to a lesion. Uh, the pain was relieved and she was able to go to sleep. Thank God. Uh, but I mean, is, uh, using cocaine like this, like topically, is that going to cause you to come up positive on a drug screen? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. So, I mean, but who, who chooses to, who, why would you steal cocaine and say that you were using it as a topical anesthetic when, there are so many other things like there are over the counter things that you can get for this specific reason. So why steal cocaine? So, um, if this person was telling the truth then it's just kind of ridiculous, but if they weren't and they were using it for recreational means, you know, it's, it's not, this is not the place where that comes up. And, um, it's just, the whole thing is just ridiculous. Um, to go on to the disciplinary actions, um, of course, it's kind of the same where they can't work outside of this specific state. Um, they have to do a jurisprudence course. They have to do a um, another course on nursing ethics, uh, which include professional boundaries. Um, and then they have to do the notification thing where they tell any other employee or employers about, um, this incident. Um, and then it says that the RN shall abstain from the consumption of alcohol, nubane, stadol, dalgan, or other synthetic opiates and slash, or the use of controlled substances, except as prescribed by a licensed practitioner for legitimate purposes. Um, and then they have to submit to random periodic screens for controlled substance of alcohol for the first three month period. Random screens shall be performed at least once per week. Um, the second three month period, random screens will be performed at least once a month. And then for the remainder of the stipulation period, random screens shall be performed at least once every three months. And then it goes through what it's going to test for. Um, so I don't know if you've heard, but when I was talking about how she or this person needs to abstain from alcohol as well. So it's not even just, you know, um, cannabis or opioids, it's including alcohol as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the last one that I'm going to leave y'all with. Um, it's just a bit ridiculous, but, um, so it gave me two kind of ridiculous cases and one where it's just, you know, you, you kind of just have to dot your eyes. Um, and make sure everything is kosher with all the docs. But it's one of those things where could this person have done something a little better in getting the TPN order and making sure that um, the whole care team was in agreement? I guess so. But at the same time, that should be a doctor to, to doctor discussion. Um, it, you know, I applaud that nurse for seeing that, um, you know, the TPN was not ordered or hung at that time and, you know, was trying to advocate for the patients and then just get slapped on the wrist for it. So that is unfortunate, but, um, 
like I said, I'm gonna be doing this as a series. So this is obviously the first one. Um, if this is something y'all like, please let me know. Um, I have a few other cases that I've built up, but it takes me a while to go through them because pretty much all of them are, you know, RNs misappropriating things like morphine and fentanyl. So you have to kind of weed through all that, which is just really sad that that happens. But um, it is unfortunate that that is the reality of today and that um, some people misuse their, um, you know, career to uh, do that. But anyways, uh, that's all I really wanted to talk about in this episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all learned something and it kind of opened your eyes in terms of what the board of nursing gets sent, um, on a daily basis. So, um, let me know if y'all have any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, you can follow me on my Instagram at nurse dose official or follow me on tick tock, um, at nurse dose. Um, anyways, I will talk to y'all later. Bye.